Wish I didn't have to know what I thought I needed to know. Some secrets are best left untold. Hey everyone, welcome back to Kevin and the Wu Tang Clan. And this week I have my good friend Hejun Chung back on the podcast as we talk about the return of the Premier League. Hejun, it's really nice to have you on. Spe- Especially after this long layoff, you know? I mean, it's only been, what, three, four months, and the world is coming to an end, basically. But uh, the Premier League is coming back. Yeah, uh, good to be here again. Uh, Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, a lot has changed since the last time we talked on the podcast. Um, That's like the understatement of the century. (laughs) But... It's weird. I don't know how I feel about it, and I guess we'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, I, I, I'm excited, but at the same time, kind of worried. Um, right. Yeah. So, so actually, Hedjun, the Premier League is one of the last um, of the top European leagues um, in soccer to come back. Bundesliga kind of kicked it off, and then now we had, I think, uh, Spain and Italy ended up starting up this past week. Um, and it looks like it's been fairly successful in terms of their runs um, of being able to do this constant testing with their players um, every single day and, you know, adhere to a lot of the things um, that a lot of the top health officials say that you should be doing. Um, you kind of notice even in goal, c- goal celebrations, people staying away from each other, not Um, overtly hugging each other and celebrating um, in that way. What are your just general thoughts on how world soccer has kind of come back um, from COVID? Mm, I was hoping they would be a little bit more cautious, but I I do understand that there are like economics at play right uh the tv money is a big deal the broadcasting contracts especially for smaller clubs um i'm assuming they all these clubs were kind of eager to get started um but i don't know like there were a lot of what ifs on my end like okay what if like half the team gets you know test positive uh, what are they going to do then or what's going to look like without um, without any, like, fans in the stands, you know? Um, and we've seen... Yeah, and you kind yeah, of seen... Yeah. You kind of see, like, creatively how they've, like, come up with different ideas to, to make money off of, um, like, putting fans' faces, like, basically, like, fat heads in the stands yeah. to kind of replicate that. I think... I believe it was an English club that is basically um, printing out people's faces on the cardboard uh, for like 20 bucks so that you could see your face in the stands um, as the team plays. So they're, they're thinking of creative ways to come and combat that problem in, with fans and stuff like that. And I, I actually w- tuned into a couple Bundesliga games mm. And it was kind of interesting how they're using the soundtrack yeah. over the PA system to kind of like uh, recreate that fan um, experience where 
they would like jeer the opposing team if they had like possession of the ball or if like the goalkeeper was holding it longer for more than six seconds than um, all of the uh, the fans would snicker, kind of like a, a FIFA backtrack type of thing. So it was kind of interesting to see that. You know what I was kind of hoping for though? Um, I think staying silent means that you get to hear a lot of the players and the coaches like calls. I mean, obviously we don't speak German or or uh, you know like Spanish or anything like that. But it would be interesting to see if like Premier League, at least for their first game back, like if they won't have any of those things ready and we'll be able to hear like players sort of like communicating with each other and uh, like coaches yelling or the managers yelling at players. Like I think that would be pretty interesting to see like how how they uh, work in that sort of environment yeah it kind of uh uh reminds me of like the ufc when they ended up coming back and like basically fighters were talking about how they could hear different coaches instructions and like even the commentators that were commentating on the fight they could hear their instructions so it would be really interesting kind of like an inside behind the scenes look of like what these coaches and players talk about tactically um, on the field and how that gets communicated effectively um, across uh, the team. And I think that's a really fascinating, um, like, kind of wrinkle to see what ends up happening. Um, And I I think with the Premier League coming back um, later, in comparison to the Bundesliga, Serie A, and uh, La Liga, you kind of see, um, like, they've laid the groundwork for what can be done and how it can be done successfully. Mm. Um, So what are you looking forward to um, coming off of this long layoff, specifically in the Premier League? Uh, I mean... Normally by now the the season would have been over and there wouldn't be much to watch. Um, so having a little bit of soccer back in my life would would be pretty awesome. Um, for me personally, I was supposed to head out to Europe uh, this year to uh, catch some of the Euros with uh, my good friend Lewis. Uh, and like stay in Europe for a little bit, but obviously that's not going to happen. And, and I'm assuming we're going to talk about Euros in a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how I feel about it. It's it's putting all of these players in danger. We know how coronavirus can be very bad with like the lungs, right? Um so if there are any like permanent damages to the players when they if and when they contract it like i worry about those kind of players right like you have to think about that too yeah and i think one of the things that they've kind of been doing um in the bundesliga has been like they it's like if one player gets the uh coronavirus they're not like shutting down the whole league but they're just quarantining that specific player Mm. um away from the rest of the team so that they could kind of finish the rest of the season um, and trying to work it that way. And I think that's and, – and I talked about it last week on the podcast regarding the NBA and how there's, you know, pretty much very big differences between what's been happening in Europe and what's been happening here in the U.S. and the States and w- what differences – 
um, in government and what differences in curbing COVID has kind of meant for the recreation of um, sports coming back um, more quickly in comparison to uh, U.S.-based sports. Mm. So I, I think it's it kind of shows the positive nature of how a lot of these European nations kind of took this um, more head-on and a lot more seriously in comparison to what's happened um, at home. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I mean... I don't want to get too off topic here, but yeah, I, I agree with uh, all the things that you said, for sure. Yeah, so, Hedjun, looking forward, let's talk about like the product on the field um, in the Premier League, mm. because I think there's a lot of interesting storylines still to be told um, in the second half of, or I guess like the last 10 games or so of the season. Yeah. Uh, and there's still a lot to be determined, even though it seems like my Liverpool team has things wrapped up <laughs> for their first Premier League type title in this uh, Premier League era. Um, so besides Liverpool, which I don't think is very interesting to talk about, other than they, they're going to accomplish something that they've never accomplished, is what the Champions League spots are looking like right now. And there's a couple, like, surprise teams up there um, that if, you know, I think people would have been shocked before the start of the season to see maybe Leicester com be competing. Like, Wolves is up there as mm. well. Um, also, Sheffield United, I believe, is sitting in seventh, pushing for European um, European uh, competition spot so there's a lot of teams in the mix if you had to pick your top four currently as it stands before this this restart who are you choosing in your top four uh <laughs> i mean liverpool obviously uh i just wanted to hear you say oh that. my god okay uh i mean man city Definitely. Uh, I think it's going to be... I think Leicester is going to stay in the top four spot. Mm -hmm. Definitely a toss-up between Chelsea and Man U. I, I think Man U... I mean, just speaking as a Man U fan, like, I think Man U will get there. Okay. Um, just because what we've seen before we, you know, the league was suspended was, you know, I like what, what I was seeing. Uh, and now that we also have Pogba, uh, we might be able to breathe some life back into the midfield. Um, and get someone, you know, uh, Bruno Fernandez before the sure. break. They were playing extremely well, I would say. I believe they were something on like a 12-game unbeaten streak yeah. before... I think it was 12, 11 or 12 games where they were unbeaten and they were starting to kind of turn the corner here. Mm -hmm. And this whole thing ended up happening. Do you, how do you see kind of the reintegration of someone like Paul Pogba coming into the squad, um, especially with like um, their new acquisition in the wintertime, Bruno Fernandes, who was looking really solid for them in terms of being that creative playmaker in the midfield, mm. 
how do you think Pogba adds to that? Or maybe he's like, maybe he subtracts to that just because maybe he brings a little bit of turmoil just because of what he's kind of brought to the squad before. Um, I think Pogba has some sort of motivation to sort of put his head down and work. Um, his stock definitely fell uh, with, you know, his latest antics uh, and like his injuries. So I think what he's going to do at least for now is, is put his head down and really, really work and try to, you know, integrate into the team. Um, right. And I think I think one of the things that is really interesting here is because of a result, I think COVID more so than it just having an impact on the field and kind of having this extended break in the middle of the season and it throwing a loop for, you know, the the whole football schedule in terms of the year, uh, Euro 2020s being pushed back. Um, it also has a huge financial impact in terms of, like, who's being brought in on transfers and things like yeah. that. It doesn't seem like it's affecting Chelsea that much because they're in rumors for everything. <laughs> but in terms of what Man U has kind of indicated, it doesn't seem like Pogba would, is going to be leaving because of the 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 potential transfer uh, money that he ends up in a normal market yeah. commanding and they won't be able to get fair value for him in this market. So it seems like he's going to be staying a lot longer than I think maybe we thought three months ago. Yeah, I mean, there are always rumors speculating around Popa. I think the latest I've seen was like, you know, back to Juventus. Um, but I mean, eventually I think it'll happen, but definitely not not anytime soon anymore. Um, but I, I can see him slotting into more of a creative attacking role. Um, Bruno Fernandez, I think it's brilliant there as well, but he can, I think he uh, is more willing to sacrifice himself for the team and his position. Um, so, uh, I mean, it would definitely be interesting interesting to see how, how they they react on the field. But looking at like the friendlies and little clips here and there, they seem to be doing doing just fine. Yeah, and I think what one of the fascinating things about this COVID break is it gives a lot of these teams much needed rest during that time period. And it's given a lot of teams um, where they were a little beat up in terms of injuries. A lot of these players have recovered from those injuries short term. So, like, even someone like Marcus Rashford, who was injured for Man United, he's back now. And I'm curious to see, like, how Ole um, ends up positioning and making this team um, in terms of lineups. Because I think McTominay, Pogba, and Fernandez seems like the natural three in the middle mm. of the field. And then I wonder, like, what their front three is going to end up looking like um, in terms of, like, the two wingers. Are they going to stick with Daniel James or are they going to go with Rashford on the on the wing? I, I, I'm curious to see, like, how those players um, mesh well together mm -hmm. and whether or not they're able to do that. 
there was a rumor that I saw. I don't know how, how credible it is, but Daniel James might be going on loan. Yeah, I heard about that as uh, well. Which seems to me that they might be close to, or they really want like Jaden Sancho from Dortmund um, and kind of slot into that role. And I think that would work out really well. Um, but I can see Rashford not playing central anymore, probably maybe out in the out, out wide. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't know how. Uh, we don't have that central striker, I don't think. Right, and I think that's like one of the one of the things that Man U has been kind of missing, especially since Lukaku ended up leaving. Um, in the summer transfer window for um, Inter, it kind of left a huge void there, and they tried a couple of different things, um, you know, where they put Rashford up top. Uh, Martial kind of spent some time. Even they, they they gave some time to Mason Greenwood. So it's been a it's been kind of like them trying to figure it out and f- see what's working up there and. Um, I'm curious to see how they address that during the summer or if they do at all. So, mm. sorry. No, no, so, yeah. If mo- go ahead. Yeah, moving on, I guess. Um, man, you actually has a really tricky game coming back. First game, they get kind of thrown into the fire um, on Friday against Tottenham. And I, talking about Tottenham, they've really had a down season this year. Um, you know, they made the coaching switch. Um, and ended up bringing in Jose Mourinho. And I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see who like, how, who ends up playing because there are a lot of injury concerns for them going into the break. Um, Son Heung-min was out, I believe, with an injury, and so was Harry Kane, and, and I'm not sure if Harry Kane's going to be fit or not. Um, it, it seems like he's going to be okay to go. Um, are some of, th- like, how do you kind of rate the Spurs, especially, you know, basically with 10 games left and Jose still fairly new within the role um, and whether or not this extended time off has given him the chance to really help form that team? Mm, that's a good question. I mean... So the issue with Tottenham wasn't wasn't so much with the manager. I felt like it was more so with the like the newer acquisitions that that um, Pochettino made before leaving. Um, he didn't he didn't like fortify where he re- needed to, and he just ended up you know getting players that I didn't feel like there were. That much needed, um, and also with Ericsson leaving to enter, uh, I don't see. I don't see how like Tottenham can move up in the ranks. Although, I think they're only like four or five points behind Man U. Uh, Man U being fifth and like Tottenham sitting on eighth. Um, they're only four points behind. Yeah, so I mean that's what like two games, one game, like, uh, like two games, yeah. And I don't, I don't know if if Mourinho has a squad to really pull it through the rest of the season. 
uh, with the players that he has. That's my take. Yeah, I, I, I'm not exactly sure what's. It's like so hard to predict any of what's going to happen for the rest of the season, just because there's such. It's it's been such a long layoff. Yeah. That it's basic. This the amount of time that they that they've taken off is pretty similar to how long it is during normal summers off like post uh pretty much post season mm. um so it's really tough to determine it's basically like a whole nother season yeah and it's really I- difficult to kind of take anything from the past and extrapolate what's happened thus far this season and basically apply that to this, I guess, uh, ex- mini uh, end of season um, run of games. So it's just really tough to be able to do that. Um, and then you even look at another disappointing team uh, prior to this layoff, Arsenal, who's sitting in ninth right behind Tottenham, sitting at 40 points. And they were starting to get it going Um at the turn of the year at during 2020, I believe they ended up um, having um, like with Arteta coming on mm. um, to that team and kind of lead Arsenal. They were unbeaten in the Premier League in 2020, and they're the only team to be doing that. So I'm curious to see if they're able to continue that and how those how Arsenal ends up doing for the rest of the year because they have a lot they're like a team in transition that doesn't mm. have I think a lot of the things that we were talking about pre-break was they didn't have a lot of the defensive kind of players that were needed to be strong in the back whereas they had just a plethora of offensive weapons that were really exciting yeah uh, I mean, they have a lot of def- like, you know, defender to defenders to choose from. They just don't have the quality, um, which is a shame because I, I think with Arteta, um, Arsenal is starting to play more exciting football. Um, so I'll be curious to see if they make any moves uh, in the during the transfer window. Uh, especially for the defenders. But yeah, I really like what I see from Arsenal in terms of like how exciting that they're starting to play, um, which was severely lacking uh, before Teta came on board. Right. I, I think that that you pretty much hit it on the head there. So out of the other teams, Hedjun, there's um, Leicester City. Mm-hmm. We got Man City, who we haven't talked about. We've we haven't talked about Chelsea. We haven't really even gone in depth with Liverpool, um, which I, I don't really even want to touch upon because I feel like that's kind of like the boring story mm-hmm. there. But with I, th- I think Man City has some really interesting opportunities ahead of them um, still that they can accomplish. They still can win a treble um, with um, them winning the Carabao Cup already um and they're still in the fa cup and still in the champions league so they still have a lot ahead of them to play for even if the league isn't in their grasp um and they have like a couple different players that um 
I think will be interesting coming back into the fold. Kind remember they were struggling with their center back position, and Laporte is now fit, mm-hmm. so that kind of eases some of their their worries from that center back position where they were having Fernandinho like slot in that center back position and they they were really grasping at straws in terms of who to play at center back so they have a lot of lot to play in front of them as well and then Chelsea I think has some really interesting um really interesting things that are in front of them like I'm curious to see whether or not Pulisic ends up, like, kind of cementing himself because Mm. there's a lot of, like, turmoil um, in terms of different players coming in uh, to the fold for next season. So these next 10 games for Pulisic is so important so that he can be uh, one of those key players to be counted on in comparison um, to maybe someone like Timo Werner or uh, Hakim Ziyech, who's from Ajax, I believe, coming into the fold. It'll be really interesting to see whether or not those guys are going to be given first choice by Lampard or Pulisic cements himself for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I keep forgetting that Pulisic is only only like 22 years old. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, he, he still has a lot of development to go through. Uh we know that he's a brilliant player, but playing in a big league like the EPL and just kind of cementing himself in the top, you know, four or five, you know, team, it might be tough and it might take him a little while to get there. But I think with Lampard at the helm, um, I think he, he needs to prove a lot more than than what he used to at Dortmund or uh, in the national team to really cement his like starting spot. Yeah, I totally agree. So, Hedrin, there's a couple teams at the bottom of the table that are really fighting re- uh, relegation, and before the um, this shutdown and everything it was getting really interesting because they were kind of talking about cutting the season short um and how that might have not been fair to a lot of these teams at the bottom because um if they're going to play a shortened schedule then there's an unbalance in the schedule and who get and in terms of how um which games are determined like to put be played on the schedule it would have been really difficult to figure out um, what the best method was Mm. in determining these Champions League spots and then who ends up getting relegated. But now that they've kind of rolled it out and are going to play like a full schedule, I think it's going to be really interesting at the bottom of the table um, because there's a couple big name teams um, that have been fairly big uh, Premier League teams over the past couple of years that are going to be fighting for their lives at the bottom of the table. Um, and I'm thinking of uh, West Ham, Watford, and Bournemouth, mm. who have been fairly good, especially with West Ham and the new stadium that they've built. Could you imagine if they ended up dropping into the championship? Um, that would just be a huge blow to what has been like a pretty bad season for them. Yeah. 
Um, that would be a big blow. I think I saw an article saying that the the one of the owners is looking to sell his stakes. So I don't know. I don't know how um, credible that is, but that would be pretty big if they got relegated, especially with the amount of squad that or the the quality of the squad that they have. It's like it's weird that they are fighting to stay out of relegation. Yeah, and you would kind of think, like, looking at the squad just in general, you would think, like, they're a top eight team in the league Mm -hmm. uh, shooting for, like, one of the uh, European European spots, um, the Europa League spots, like, whether it be fifth or sixth. So it'll be really fascinating to see what ends up happening there. Um, I also did forget to mention back when we were talking about the top four, uh, Man City is kind of going through that dispute um, in terms of whether or not they're getting suspended from the Champions League mm. for the next two years or not. So it, it depending on what ends up happening there, and I believe they're going to come out with a ruling on them regarding their violations of financial fair play um, in early July I believe so we'll fi- find out then whether or not Man City will be able to compete for the European Championships so that fifth spot might be hugely important because that might determine who ends up going to the Champions League um, and that's where Man U is sitting so that I think it'll be really fascinating to see like what the changing variables are um, as the se- rest of the season plays out I personally think they'll give Man City a break just because of how much like quality and like revenue they might be able to bring in for the Champions League. Um, especially now that everything is sort of gone downhill in terms of economy and, and uh, you know, because of coronavirus and everything that I wouldn't be surprised if they let, like they gave Man City a break. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it'll. It. I think it'll be fascinating to see like what, um, what ends up determining whether or not Man City gets off the hook or not. Mm. Um, re- in regards to this financial fair play stuff, so I think that's pretty fascinating overall. Um, but yeah, I I'm in general I'm just pretty excited to see how this the rest of the season plays out because I really have no nothing and no expectations of like what's going to happen from any of these teams. I know on um, the first games end up starting Wednesday and we get a pretty juicy matchup um, starting then as well. Mm. So it's, it's going to be really fun to just watch Premier League soccer again. Um, albeit it's going to be really weird to see watch games without fans present. Mm. So I'm curious to see how that um, ends up affecting um some teams and whether or not um maybe like a home field advantage um for maybe an underdog whether it be like i know um like just like even seeing like someone like i believe sheffield united who ended up having a really good home record 
um, like how that plays into their success and whether or not they can continue their success and their form this season. So I think I think those are those will be some of the intricacies to watch out for. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add, Hedging, before we kind of moved on and talked about some of the um, proposed format for the um, Champions League? Uh, I th- I will say like what I. I think I've always stressed this is that the the quality of EPL is so much flatter than than other leagues that it really comes down to like after Boxing Day like the squad depth right and like even if like teams like Sheffield United or like um, like Burnley like was a couple seasons ago or last season like they were like you know top five top six for a while and uh, we've seen that like go back to the place like the mid to like bottom table um it will be really interesting to see how they perform because of this extended break like who knows like Sheffield might uh rise up to like top five again or like you know even break in the top four like I don't know like just the way that that things have played out there are so many things that like you said are in play now that um, I'll definitely be paying a lot more attention to like these teams that were doing really well in the beginning of the season. Um, yeah, and I think you made a really good point about the squad depth because I think a lot of people don't even realize like how big of a deal like taking this amount of time off is mm-hmm. and how it gives a lot of these players that ended up having tired legs and that we, we're starting to kind of like see the accumulation of playing a ton of those games coming out of that winter time period where a lot of the games are, um, you know, you're basically playing two league games a week. Um, And I think it definitely gave a lot of tired legs a break and it's allowed a lot of these teams to recover um, from injuries and just overall tiredness of the squad. So it really does give that advantage back to those uh, teams that don't necessarily have the depth of the bigger clubs like the Liverpools or the Man Cities or the Man U's. Mm. Um, so I think that'll be really fascinating to kind of monitor and see what ends up happening with um, those smaller clubs like the Burnleys, the the Wolves who, who are right in the thick of it in terms of competing for a Champions League spot. And so, and, and we also mentioned Sheffield United. So I think those are a couple of the things to watch out mm-hmm. for. For sure. Um, so kind of moving on and talking about the Champions League. So the Champions League format um, was being reported um, today. Um, There's a report out today um, kind of outlining um, what the rest of the competition looks like. So just to remind people what the Champions League actually is, is it's basically like one of the biggest sporting events in the entire world. It's like the Champions League final is well-watched and it's watched by more people than even the Super Bowl. So, you know, it's a big deal. And also, I'm also talking about this money um, as well and how important that is to keep that competition going. But they they outlined what would happen um, and the UEFA um, UEFA is planning on an August 23rd final 
and basically in a 12-day span, they're basically playing this knockout soccer competition um, from the quarterfinals on, which I think is going to be a really fascinating, like, tournament i guess like mini tournament to see like what ends up happening it it'll be like our version of the world cup for this summer um like a mini version of the world cup and it's going to be really fascinating to see just because i think it's going to really test a lot of different factors that might you might not really have to consider um for a normal champions league season um and and then the first thing it tests, like we were kind of talking about before, and it's a nice segue to this uh, topic of conversation, is the squad depth and what, what, whether or not that's going to have any effect in this 12-day competition. What are your thoughts on, like, maybe this condensed schedule and UEFA trying to kind of compress the schedule so that they can get all these games in to crown a champion? I mean, again, the the voice of concern is like, you know, these teams will have to travel. Like, there's going to be inter, like, uh, I guess, like traveling within Europe, right, as opposed to traveling within their own country. So there's an added sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, added, like, caution there, right? Um and like again what are they gonna do when like half the team test positive for coronavirus obviously they're gonna have to get people like players um like deep into their bench or they might not even be able to like are they gonna loosen some of the guidelines or regulations around uh the player entry like roster numbers um or are they gonna be able to loosen some of the guidelines or restrictions on how many subs, subs they, they can make. So, right. And, yeah. Right. And I think like even the subs question, like you, you've kind of seen that across Europe um, and the Bundesliga, they've gotten, I believe a total of five subs mm-hmm. now, um, in a, in a normal game. So I wonder if like that's going to end up changing some of the way, um, you know, the champions league is, um, is governed yeah so i mean i'm happy that they were able to bring it back but again it's like you know w- what is the cost at the end um i know some players are like very anxious to play uh notably i think conte was a little like iffy about playing so he didn't like train for a little bit i don't know if he's back um so right, and I think like there's that. still yeah. questions about content. Yeah, so like things like yeah. that, right? Like, how are we addressing people, like players, uh, like mental health or like you know health in general? Um, like those are the questions that I want to ask um, to the top, like head honchos. Um, but you know, I mean, I'm just happy that it's back, and uh, I'll be able to watch it. Yeah, and even with even with the Champions League, there's still four quarterfinal spots to be mm-hmm. determined, so they got to reschedule some of the round of 16 games. So there's just like, aside from just the, yes, we're very happy to get soccer back and football back 
um, on the field, there's just like a logistical nightmare. Yeah. Um, in terms of like trying to figure out when these games should be played, and how that impacts the start of next season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure if you've heard like how that that might um change the start of next season and maybe the transfer windows um leading into the summer. Yeah. I mean they're gonna have to adjust, right? Like there's no doubt about it. Um the thing is are they gonna is this gonna be the new norm or are they gonna slowly transition back to you know the league schedules and, and uh like champions league schedules as we know it. Yeah, and I I think that's, like, a huge question mark kind of, you know, stemming from what and, you know, because of this COVID stuff, like, it's just, like, very kind of touch and go to see what ends up happening with a lot of these, like, in the 2021 season and how it um, ends up impacting, like, world football and the schedule whether they play like some sort of condensed schedule Mm -hmm. or does it just kind of like do they just kind of like go into next season with maybe like a mini break in the winter time there's just like so many things that have yet to be determined um, that it's really difficult to figure out what ends up happening and then we kind of have to also think about like how all of these things have to work in conjunction with international soccer as well and international soccer dates because like you know the Euro- uh european championships were supposed to be in this year in 2020 mm. um what where does that get moved um when does it get moved and then also like world cup qualifying believe it or not yeah. was supposed to be starting like this year yeah um for 2022 and if you think about it it's kind of like right around the corner in terms of like when world cup qualifying starts to heat up it's like the year 2021 is the year before the world cup so all of those logistical nightmares like a lot of this there's like a lot of moving pieces Mm. in play right now and i'm like my head is spinning just thinking about like trying to figure out how it's all going to work out and fall into place yeah for sure i mean i'm glad i don't have that job yeah yeah i know right yeah. well you know give me any job <laughs> so so Hedrun, uh one of the things that i did kind of want to talk about um as a result of maybe some of the champions league and looking at some of the financial kind of aspects to and implications to all of this and like whether or not there there's been a lot of talk about like the transfer market and whether or not that's going to deplete the um, amount of moves that end up happening this tran- this upcoming transfer window whenever that transfer window happens um, what are your thoughts on just maybe the financial impacts on whether or not a lot of these teams are going to start making moves. And I guess we could kind of exclude Chelsea from this because they're wheeling and dealing still. Uh, I mean, for the big name clubs, I don't think it'll be that big of a deal. Um, Obviously, I think the small market teams are the ones that are going to suffer the most. Um, 
And like, I think players will be reluctant to leave anywhere else just because they know they're, they won't be getting their full like net worth. So I think for the most part, the transfer market will stay put and like be a little quiet. Um, but you know, with, with these bigger market teams, they might be able to take advantage of that kind of situation and be like, okay, well, you know, Hey, small clubs, we know, we know like you guys are suffering. So let me, you know, help you out by, you know, giving you a little bit more cash for this player or, you know, at least offering some sort of money for this player that they wanted. Um, so we could see the quality in the league changing even more, but I don't know. I could see it going both ways, right? Where the transfer market completely freezes or these bigger clubs taking advantage of the, the shakier finances of small market clubs. Yeah, totally. And I think the calculus is going to be super interesting in determining whether or not like some of these teams end up moving for players. Like it seems like with Liverpool and everything that I've heard with Liverpool coming out of all of this is that Klopp is going to be fairly conservative mm. in terms of what he decides to do just because of like a lot of the player like a lot of the t- players that are on the team are signed long term. Yeah. And there's not really any big big names that are up for Liverpool in terms of uh, like the front three, they don't really have to worry about unless they get transferred out to some other to some club in Spain like Real Madrid, mm-hmm. where there's a lot of rumors about them trying to sign Mane or Salah. But I think there's a lot of trepidation in terms of whether or not uh, these teams want to make these like big money moves with a lot of financial uncertainty mm-hmm. coming up um, in this during this upcoming season and maybe all the way up until next year. So I think it's going to take a little bit of time for some of these clubs to determine whether or not they want to pull the trigger and be like, all right, we're ready to spend like, like it was uh, pre-COVID. So I think that'll be really fascinating to determine and see whether or not like um some of these like these smaller market clubs get desperate in terms of trying to have like capital in their funds and start sell you know kind of having these mass sell-offs yep. uh just to keep their their club afloat because i mean during this covid thing when when you know they w- they were trying to return to action there's a lot of these leagues ar- across the world that were basically cutting pay for their players mm. because they couldn't like and the and the players were willing to take on that financial burden because you know that meant saving jobs for a lot of these you know stadium employees and things like that um that might not have had any other means to make uh, a living yeah. so while like it was really hard for a lot of these players to kind of make that sacrifice. It was also very impactful and pretty inspiring for them to do that amidst the, uh, the pandemic. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and like, you kind of see like a lot of the things like how like politics and 
Um, even a lot of the issues that are going on in the world right now are bleeding into sports in general, but also like um, even in the soccer world. And it's like a lot of things that are happening in the U.S. in regards to to racism and the protest are kind of have spread uh, worldwide. And you saw a lot of um, these teams that really have no association to like George Floyd or any of these um, protests stateside here um, are really taking a stand in um, some of the things that they're they're putting out there on their social media and how they they're coming strong um, in support of um, anti-racism yeah I mean I'm sure the players have felt that before especially you know players who uh players of color like and there there's been a lot of struggles with uh soccer and fifa across the world with players of color except especially black players um players of african descent mm. that would really struggle with a lot of these racist chants that would happen um across europe yeah i mean i remember the incident where Danny Alves got thrown a banana. Uh, right. Or, you know, when Balotelli got uh, really emotional during one of the matches. I forget where. Um, yeah, and he, he, like, threatened to walk yeah, on yeah. the pitch. Yeah. So, I mean, it's happening everywhere. Racism isn't just rampant in America. And I think these players really feel that and they want to stand in solidarity. So that's really good to see. Um and I hope they can use their their um, status and, and um, the amount of command that they have over their fans to really, like, take the time to educate, um, you know, what they're feeling, how, what they're going through, and um, how we can make the world a better place. Yeah, and I think this has been something that FIFA and, I, you know, all the players world wide have been trying to figure out how to combat effectively and at this point in terms of like all the issues that are going on we've pretty much re reached this like critical mass like breaking point of whether or not changes are going to happen so um it, it's really great to kind of see um a lot of these players stand in solidarity with a lot of these movements that are happening worldwide mm -hmm. so had you one of the things that I did kind of want to talk about, uh, moving away from soccer slash football um, and to kind of fill the last 10 minutes or so, is, um, you know, I, I think you might be one of the only people that follows baseball <laughs> somewhat uh, that I know, and, and that's fairly close to me. But first of all, have you been following what's been happening with the MLB and the MLB uh, Players Association and what's happening in terms of possibly restarting the league. And am I just being hyperbolic in saying that this might be the end of baseball if they're not able to come to an agreement in terms of in terms of whether or not they, they're going to return uh, for the 2020 season just because of the waning uh, popularity of baseball in this country? What what are your thoughts on what what's happening, um, 
you know, between Rob Manfred and the MLB uh, Players Association, who's led by Tony Clark? Um, the last I heard was, or when I read up on it anyway, was when they were supposed to reach that agreement by the original deadline, which was a week ago, two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, I believe it was a couple weeks ago. Now. Yeah. Uh, I think it was supposed to be June 1st, I believe. And they're supposed, when, you know, they're supposed to be gunning for July 4th in opening day, which would have been pretty cool to see, uh, you know, and give a lot of hope for, you know, the, the people in the, in the cities, right? But <sighs> I don't think baseball will be over. But I, I think there will be significant changes. Um, yeah, I definitely was being a tiny yeah. bit hyperbolic yeah. there. But it's just, I think there's a lot of short-sightedness going on mm. um, in terms of, like, this being an unprecedented situation and there not being pretty much any understanding um, from both sides. And it seems like there, at least from what I've been reading, there seems like there's a lot of distrust going on between both sides in terms of what's being communicated and what's being agreed upon and then what's being leaked out to the media. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't trust Rob Manfred, like, at all. Um, he's the exact opposite of, of, like, what Adam Silver has done for, you know, the NBA. Um, so I don't doubt that there's a lot of distrust between the uh, the players and the MLB commissioner. Um, maybe he can learn a thing or two from the NBA. I don't know, but yeah, and I I think even you know like I for any of the any people that are interested in the NBA talk that I did with Andrew Ramondi, uh, I did do that last week so you guys can check that out there in terms of nba thoughts but i think you know this whole pandemic thing has kind of thrown a lot of these sports leagues um in the loop kind of trying to like figure out what it is uh that they need to do to come back effectively um and while keeping their players safe and also trying to recoup a lot of the money that they need to make for their leagues and for the players because the players ultimately will be missing out on lost revenue because um, and they will be hurt uh, financially impacted in the future based off of the loss in revenues that end up happening in baseball. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a huge struggle in terms of trying to figure out what it – what ends up happening Manfred said last week that pretty much a hundred percent that the league what was going to happen and that baseball was happening this year and then I believe he came out either today or yesterday saying that now he's not positive at all as to whether or not baseball is happening so there must have been a breakdown in communication um, between uh, the Players Association and the MLB during that time period. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, everyone just sort of gave, not gave up, but like listened to each other a little bit and willing to compromise, I think it can totally happen. But 
I don't know. I don't, I don't see any of them budging uh, anytime soon. Yeah, and, and Buster only kind of wrote a pretty solid piece of, in terms of looking at looking at the short-sightedness of, you know, baseball and, like, how this reality of a loss of financial income and revenue um, this season is going to impact baseball for a long, long time, and people don't know if there will be any recovering from this at all. So. Yeah. It, it it definitely has huge financial impact beyond even this season. Um, and, and even in basketball, there's huge financial impact um, beyond this season. Yeah, for sure. So, um, Hedjun, that's all I really wanted to talk about. If there's anything else you wanted to talk about, was there anything else on your mind uh, that you wanted to bring up or talk about? No, I think, you know, everything was pretty much covered and yeah that's you know fun. i'm excited yeah i'm excited that the premier league is back honestly yeah. um just hoping pe- players stay safe uh people stay smart still um with all the stuff that's and en- that's happening mm. um in terms of the uh pandemic so hopefully everyone's able to stay safe from that and um yeah I'm just really excited that we were able to get together and do a podcast before the restart of the season. And I'm sure if things get somewhat interesting towards the end of the season, you know, if Manu starts, like, you know, having some struggles, then I'm definitely going to have to call you back on to the podcast so that you can lament about uh, Manu struggles. And maybe I'll do one in a couple games when uh, Liverpool inevitably wraps up uh, their first Premier League title, Premier League title during uh, this modern era. So, uh, Hedrun, thanks again for coming back on to the podcast. As always, it was a joy having you on. If you wanna dance, girl, just give me two drinks and I'll be busting out the best moves you're ever gonna see, girl. Watch me, nay, nay.